0: This is the first bed racing show on HRRN.
1: Otello needs room toward the rail as they straighten past the quarter pole. Otello's trying to squeeze through a very tight opening with the advantage now. First World War comes away with the lead to the attack now. No more time. Inveigled had to wait for room and is down the center. C Streak is fighting very hard. There's an eighth of a mile to go in the Mucho Macho Man. C Streak hard up against the rail. Inveigled down the center. Otello loose for the drive. First World War between, First World War, Otello, Otello gets up. Otello and Luis Saez win a thrilling renewal of the Mucho Macho Man in 137
0: and 3. Now, here's Bobby Newman and Bob Nastanovich.
2: Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman along with Bob Nastanovich. We've got live action today from Gulfstream Park fairgrounds and aqueduct and we'll keep you appraised of everything going on in the world of racing bob that was the running of the mucho macho man the new year's day feature out at gulfstream park i don't know if you're aware of this and i didn't realize it until that day somehow the mucho macho man is not officially on the road to the kentucky derby there are no points offered for winning the Mucho Macho Man, which seems a little bit strange.
3: Yeah, it does seem strange, and I'm not sure if it was the toughest renewal, but uh, Otello, the winner, a very nice uh, son of Curlin out of an Escondera mayor called Isabella Sings, is now two for two and really showed an excellent win habit there. And, um, you know, again, uh, it's exciting that Christoph Clement has a very good uh, dirt horse uh, heading into the uh, Triple Crown season.
2: Well, it it may not officially be on the road toward the Kentucky Derby, but the Mucho Macho Man certainly starts the road toward the Florida Derby, which includes the Holy Bull and the Fountain of Youth coming up in the next few months, and then the Florida Derby uh, traditionally at the end of the championship season. ...out at Gulfstream Park. But uh, nonetheless, as Bob mentioned, Otello very impressive in getting the job done. There was also a a Philly feature, if you will, earlier in the day, Cash Run. Uh, The Cash Run actually went at two races before the Mucho Macho Man and Power Squeeze... A Jorge Delgado trainee who was 8-1, to one, sat mid-pack and uh, powered past him at the top of the stretch to draw away and win by five. She actually went about a half a second faster than Otello did in the Mucho Macho Man. But to me, the way Otello looked, the, the professionalism that he showed in just the second start of his career makes me think that he's a horse that has a future. Whether he's a, a Kentucky Derby contending type of a horse, You know that's something i i guess we'll find out in the next few months but he was coming off one start uh over at aqueduct uh winning a one-turn mile there and in the mucho macho man he was bottled up on the inside not a place that a lot of horses like to be especially young inexperienced horses and uh, i thought it was a, a great job by both the horse otello uh and his jockey Luis saez to wait 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 actually got shuffled back all the way to last uh, but when they saw a seam at the eighth pole, it was Katie Bar the door and he came a running.
3: Yeah, no, he's uh, definitely a horse to follow and um, has plenty of uh, appealing stamina in his pedigree and uh, certainly seems to enjoy his racing. So uh, definitely one to uh, put in your notebook.
2: Want to let everybody know, exciting news. Speaking of Gulfstream Park and San Anita, the Coast to Coast Pick 5 is back starting this Saturday and every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, from this weekend all the way in through April 7th. We're going to talk with Jeff Chapman, VIP player host out at Santa Anita, about the Coast to Coast Pick 5, and maybe he's got some ideas for us, at least in those Santa Anita races. We'll get to uh, him probably in our number two. Uh, As I mentioned, live action from Aqueduct Fairgrounds and Gulfstream Park, Bob, and I know that your first bet of the day comes in this ninth and final race on the card at Gulfstream. 74 degrees, cloudy skies right now here in South Florida. They're on the turf. The turf is rated firm. Uh, the distance a mile here, these are maiden three year old fillies in for a claiming price of $25,000. Scratch numbers three, four, and nine. The first bet AI says number six, Skinny Cosmo, is where you need to be. 27% chance of winning and currently even money on the board. Can we beat her?
3: Yeah, she could be beaten. Um, she was beaten last time. Um, It was a bold display of uh, speed under Joe Bravo last time, but she was reeled in. Um, She might get company on the front end in this race. And I think there's a couple of uh, pretty nice looking at lucky fillies in here, Um, including looks lucky to me. um, Excuse me real quick. Got the uh, proverbial frog in in the throat there, Bob. Didn't have a chance to turn down my mic. I'm sorry about that. Um, Anyways, Amador Sanchez, the trainer of Looks Lucky to Me, is 26% uh, with his first-time turfers. And uh, she really looked to be going nowhere in her uh, synth debut on October 28th for the slightly higher tag of Maiden, claiming 35. Uh, Like I said, Sanchez, 26% with the first-time turfers. And when Looks Lucky to Me got clear in the stretch, she finished really strongly, galloped out really well. I think she'll relish the turf. She's out of a mare called Lookout Sister, who has uh, two winners that both went well on turf. Um, Wow, Lucky, the other looking at Lucky filly is a big, strong filly. She got off kind of slow in her last race, finished third in that race that uh, Skinny Cosmo nearly won. I think she'll definitely improve for trainer Eniel Cordero. The aforementioned Luis Saez took the uh, mount again. And uh, I think uh, you know, despite the scratches, three scratches in here. Initially, I thought this was a tough race to handicap. I mean, all six of the horses in here are first-time lay-six. There's several class droppers. There's a lot of headgear changes. Uh, several of them are first-time on the turf. Um, should be a very interesting race for the level. Uh, but I think at the prices, looks lucky to me. He's currently uh, six-seven to one. Looks like it looks like a good value play.
2: Okay, 6-1 to right now. Actually, the fifth choice of six in the field of six. The only one who's really not getting any play at all is number two, Shinka, who's had three career starts and has not been closer than 11 lengths in any of those three races. So it makes sense uh, that she would be an outsider in the betting. But uh, all of the other ones getting some love, at least at the windows. Uh, No more so than number six, Skinny Cosmo, who remains the heavy favorite at even money for the team of Kelly Breen. And Joe Bravo showed speed, narrowly missed last time out against a similar competition while well clear of the third place finisher that day. Certainly looks like a repeat of that race makes her logical in this spot, but she doesn't lay over the field by any chance. Now, the big, I, I guess one of the questions is does Skinny Cosmo make the lead alone in here or does she get pressed a little bit? Maybe. By Spirit of Victory, who's stretching out from sprints to routes, maybe even from your selection, Bob looks lucky to me. Who's getting blinkers added for the first time?
3: Um, I expect Spirit of Victory to uh, press presser for sure. I mean, she's putting the blinkers on for a um, and Paco Lopez takes the mounts. So I I expect her in her first route try to be aggressively uh, ridden. She's been she hasn't made the lead going five furlongs on either turf at Delaware or on the synth here at Gulfstream. And I think they'd like to, uh, if not make the lead, press the pace. And uh, like I said, Skinny Cosmo, a uh, really nice ride by Joe Bravo. He had it all his own way last time and uh, still couldn't hold off Simply Striking, who you know might be a pretty nice filly, but uh, I think she's a little vulnerable to a short price.
2: All right, they're delaying just a little bit before the start of the finale. They are still on the main track, need to make their way across the synthetic surface over to the turf before they load in for the ninth. We can tell you they're coming onto the track for the sixth race at Fairgrounds, about seven minutes away there. In the paddock for the eighth and final at Aqueduct, about eight minutes to post there. So hopefully they won't run on top of each other. Folks, download the First Bet app on your iPhone or visit first.com forward slash bet to sign up and play the races. Sign up with the promo code BETHRN, no spaces, B-E-T-H-R-R-N, and you'll get a $10 free bet plus 100% deposit match up to $150 on your first deposit within 14 days of sign-up. All right, so a lot of good stuff going on over at First Bet, and they're giving us plenty of time to get our wagers, boy, maybe they've there. Maybe there were some uh, prices that came in earlier. There, this this uh, reminds me of the uh, last chance saloon. You're betting college football. Who's Hawaii playing at midnight tonight? I've already lost all the plays I really wanted for today. Maybe I can get out in the Hawaii game. They are giving us extra time, Bob, for this finale at Gulfstream Park. Is uh, the the three-year-old Phillies have? it seems like been circling the wagons ready to go for about the last four or five minutes or so. And they're just, uh, waiting, you know, once upon a time, this was a thing where the mutual supervisors or the, the the people in charge of mutuals would have cameras and they'd see people in lines at the mutual windows. And they'd know, they'd be calling the stewards say, Hey, we need a couple minutes. Uh, we don't want to shut all these people out. Now, since it seems like about ninety percent of the wagering takes place online and away from the track, um, I I guess they're just going by instinct.
3: Apparently so. Uh, notably, in here we we talked about the uh, now odds-on favorite Skinny Cosmos, just gone into four to five. Is trained by Kelly Breen, and I'd forgotten that uh, he's a, a classic winner, classic winning trainer. Do you recall uh, the uh, classic race that Kelly Breen won?
2: No, go ahead.
3: Yeah, 2011, the Belmont Stakes with Ruler on Ice with Jose Al- Valdivia aboard. That's one well, that just slipped my mind.
2: If I had bet Ruler on Ice, then I would certainly remember that. Um, but I am going with – that seems like th- that name rings such a little bell for me that it probably – I certainly didn't bet on him, and it sounds like I probably didn't bet against him.
3: Yeah, I think he was double digits and quite a surprise. It was one of those years that the uh, Belmont was wide open, and uh, he's the one that enjoyed 12 furlongs at Big Sandy.
2: Well, there you go. And um, we don't get to see 12 furlongs on the main track too often uh, in this country, but certainly once a year in the Belmont Stakes for sure. And, uh, of course, this year's Belmont Stakes is going to make history because it's not going to be at Belmont Park. It's gonna be up at Saratoga, and uh, I'm guessing going to be a tough ticket those few days up at Saratoga where they have that special Belmont festival, if you will. Uh, Not racing at Belmont Park because of the construction this year, but uh, running up at Saratoga with a little bit of a distance change as well. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of fun uh, somewhere around five months from now. But that's then. This is now, and these three-year-old fillies and their connections probably not too concerned with the Belmont Stakes at this point. They're just trying to get – figure out who's going to get the job done in this two-turn, one-mile maiden-claiming turf affair, where number six, Skinny Cosmo, remains the even-money favorite. Number five, Wow Lucky, uh, second choice on the board at two-to-one, finished five links behind Skinny Cosmo last time out. But that was after a a very poor start, maybe could have been closer uh, with a clean break that afternoon. So the public seeming to think, uh, that she's better than what her finish was last time out. They've got her down to 2-1. to one. Bob's first bet of the day takes place in this race with number 8 looks lucky to me. Uh, been 6-1 to one for about the last five minutes or so, and they are loading. I don't want to say loading quickly because they're not doing anything quickly at this point <laughs> at Gulfstream Park, but they are slowly loading these fillies into the gate. Uh, Five in, one to go. That is Bob's first bet of the day. Number eight looks lucky to me. Pete Aiello has the call.
1: And runners away. From the center, Skinny Cosmo gets the first call and looks for the early advantage with Looks Lucky to Me on the outside. The leader's a bit keen. Backing off third is Spirit of Victory ahead of Well Lucky, who's well settled in fourth, followed fifth by Royal Upstart and Shinkas. Last of all, they chase Skinny Cosmo. Skinny Cosmo, tugging on Bravo, wants to go faster. Joe wants her to settle down. She's a length in front. Second to the outside is looks lucky to me. Back to third, that spirit of victory. Wow, lucky is fourth for Luis Saez in the two-path. Two and a half lengths off the lead. Two more to Royal Upstart and five to Shinka. The opening quarter was 23-4, and four, less than five furlongs to go. Skinny Cosmo settles down a bit now. She's a length and a half in front of Looks Lucky to Me in second. Three wide, while wow, Lucky is now third at the inside. Spirit of Victory is there fourth, followed fifth by Royal Upstart and well back to Shinka. They make their way half a mile from the wire. The leader from the outset has been Skinny Cosmo. She's there by a length. Looks lucky to me. Poised to strike second. Spirit of victory at the rail. Wow, lucky has no choice but to go three wide. Royal upstart with the top flight. Only two and a half from first to fifth. Well back to Shinka's. they run to the top of the stretch. Skinny Cosmo has to go to work now. She's only ahead in front. Three wide. Wow, lucky from between. Looks lucky to me. Ducking to the rail. Spirit of victory. Who do you like here with Royal upstart on from fifth. Eighth of a mile to go. The leader, Skinny Cosmo. Wow, Lucky takes aim for Luis sayas on the outside, and she's powered forward. Wow, Lucky is now in front. Skinny Cosmo tries to hold on for second with looks lucky to me. Wow, Lucky does it. Skinny Cosmo was second, looks lucky to me. Third, spirit of victory was fourth, and then Royal Upstart in 136 flat.
2: Four-way driving finish in the finale at Gulfstream Park that came in 5-6-8-7, number five. Wow, Lucky getting the best of it in the stretch run. There was some bumping involving your selection, Bob. Number eight looks lucky to me. I don't know if the winner, wow, lucky came in or the runner-up, Skinny Cosmo, came out. There could be an inquiry into that, but since she finished third, I believe, in the race, she's not going to get put up to the win unless, for some reason, there's a double DQ. And uh, listen, I don't want to make a bad joke, but this isn't New York, so I wouldn't (laughs) expect there to be a double DQ uh, out of nowhere in this race. Uh, But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the stewards at least take a look at the stretch run. We'll keep everyone apprised of what goes on there. They're actually headed toward the starting gate at both fairgrounds and aqueduct. And uh, so we'll... Quickly preview a a little bit of both of them. Sixth race on the card at Fairgrounds. By the way, 57 degrees, sunny skies, uh, main track fast turf course labeled good at Fairgrounds. Race six, a conditioned $30,000 claiming event at six furlongs on the main track uh, for four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of three races lifetime. This is ridiculous. For four-year-olds and up, non-winners of three races or four-year-olds. (laughs) <laughs> what is that ridiculous condition? <laughs> uh, let's get over to Aqueduct. Let's, we're going to stick with Aqueduct, though, because it's the last race on their card and our only chance to cover them today. 42 degrees and fast conditions for race number eight. Uh, maiden New York bred four year olds and up in for a $30,000 $30, tag, sprinting seven furlongs. Field of nine with a big favorite and number seven, Good Reunion. Bob, who'd you like?
3: Yeah, good good um a good reunion kind of lays over the field a repeat of her uh, lifetime debut. I think she'd win this but uh or he'd win this by several lengths and uh yeah, I just I can't imagine him getting beat. And three to five actually might be a fair price. He ought, he ought to win by open lengths. Looks like okay, a brand he,
2: opportunity. He's the top choice of the first bet AI as well. Twenty five percent win according to first bet AI. But three to five right now on the board for the Rudy Raga's Rudy Rodriguez and Ruben Silvera, Uh entrant here, number seven. Good reunion. Two good races uh, under his belt and taking a severe dropping class this afternoon. Uh, We can tell you they just left the gate over the fairgrounds. They've got about two left to load here at Aqueduct, so we're going to stick at the Big A for the finale. I apologize. We were hoping to get both of these races to you, uh, but we do have more races on the docket uh, during the next hour and a half or so from the fairgrounds, so we'll have plenty from New Orleans very shortly. Just waiting for number nine, English Storm, who's trying to make the 10th time the charm, moving into the outside gate, and here's Chris Griffin with the call.
4: And Towards the outside Malibu Mystery gets the early lead It's Malibu Mystery right out to the front Sinombre in between horses, and here comes the Mighty Dawn. The Mighty Dawn has got the lead, is up by a length and a half, right to the outside. Tight hold here on Malibu Mystery is going to stalk from second. Moving throughout the rail is Alpha Sunny, as they're going to be tightly bunched in behind the leader, who slows down the tempo up front. Sinombre is still in that second grouping, joined by Good Reunion, who's in the Rapoli Silks, is going to be four wide as they work up the backstretch. English Storm is joining them, five wide, 23.57 for that opening quarter mile. In behind them, towards the back end of the field, is Chalky Cat, is there with support the cat and starting to move from the back fluorescent bay. They're chasing the Mighty Dawn. The Mighty Dawn is still up by a length and a half. Here comes Good Reunion at 3-5 to five is in between horses. Good Reunion is coming out to the pace center now. The Mighty Dawn is only a half length in front. Good Reunion is bringing English Storm with that rival now and they join 3 across the racetrack here as they approach a quarter mile left to go. Chalky Cat's got a late rally but wide. Sinombre is still in the mix as well. The Mighty Dawn is sprinting for home. The Mighty Dawn hugs the rail. Good reunion with every shot in between horses and here comes Chalky Cat Grandstand side, Chalky Cat to the outside a Good Reunion in between horses, Sinombre battling on the Mighty Dawn, but Chalky Cat is 6-1, it's Chalky Cat up by a length and a half Chalky Cat, Luis Rivera Jr., they win the finale as Chalky Cat, then Good Reunion look like Sinombre, followed by the Mighty Dawn, final running time 1 minute 26 and 4 and Ed Barker with a training double at Aqueduct. Is he done?
2: (laughs)
5: <laughs> the call never
2: ended. It was com- coming out of the John Dooley school of calling races. There, uh, no three seven five four of the top four finishers in the eighth and final at Aqueduct. Number three, Chalky Cat, was making the ninth start of his career, uh, but showed some signs of life last time out when running third at six furlongs against the state-bred maiden thirty thousand dollar level competition. Got a little bit more ground to work with, and that proved to be enough. If this race was six furlongs, Chalky Cat maybe didn't get there. Seven furlongs, he not only gets there, he gets there going away by some two-and-a-half lengths. Didn't look like any excuse to me, Bob, for the favorite good reunion. He was just second best.
3: Absolutely no excuse at all. Um, Just uh, took ages to get by the uh, front runner there and uh, really set it up for Chalky Cat, who has been closed and closed very well in in, uh, his last race on December 7th. And... uh, The added distance was the the difference. He relished the seven furlongs and red-hot Ed Barker barn at uh, Aqueduct. Now uh, five wins and under 20 starters on the meet.
2: Fantastic, especially if you're Ed Barker or you're betting on Ed Barker's horses. Uh, Over at Fairgrounds, I apologize we couldn't bring you the coverage of race six. It was a photo finish between number one Premium and number five Gunner Bay that went to number one Premium, who was the top choice of the first bet AI 1572. The now official order of finish of race six at Fairgrounds will have plenty of Fairgrounds coverage throughout the rest of the show. Uh, back to Gulfstream Park. Uh, they are looking at it. And when I say they, I mean the stewards. The inquiry sign and the objection sign is on the board involving the top three finishers in the race. Number five, wow, lucky. Number six, skinny Cosmo. And Bob's first bet of the day. Number eight, looks lucky to me. Uh, They've got uh, a split-screen view for us right now, Bob. On the left side of the screen, we are seeing the head-on stretch run where uh, at least coming off the turn, I thought that the favorite skinny Cosmo didn't corner very well, almost as if uh, she stopped turning and maybe made contact with your selection. Uh, It it was harder to tell on the pan shot uh, who was at fault. I don't think the winner did anything wrong. I think if anything... They could DQ the runner up as switch to second and third place finishers.
3: Yeah, I mean, looks lucky to me. It was incredibly unlucky there. I mean, we don't really know how she would have finished because she just got put in a bad spot there at the, uh, I guess, just inside the 316th pole. Uh, Skinny Cosmo got tired, definitely bore out. And it, yeah, like you said, uh, Wow Lucky kept a pretty straight course. Um, from the pan shot it looked, it looked like she was the offending party wow lucky it looked like, it looked like she'd come across and uh, lugged in a little bit but it was more a case of uh, skinny Cosmo forcing uh, looks lucky to me out into the five horse so i expect this to really come 586.
2: Okay, well, the inquiry and the objection signs are down, but it still says unofficial, and they have not changed the numbers yet as they show number five, wow, lucky in the winner's circle, getting her picture taken for the race. And we're trying to drag this out to hopefully uh, give you some sort of a resolution before we go to break, but we really don't know. They haven't made it official yet, uh, which is a little bit odd to me. It almost makes it seem like there's going to be a change but there has not been a change yet. All right, so I don't want to keep saying this stuff. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll figure out what's what at Gulfstream. We'll get you paid at Aqueduct and Fairgrounds. We'll look back at some more great action from last weekend. First Bet Racing Show on HRRN.
6: James Brown and Bill Cowher welcoming you back to Dennis Melvin's house. It's time for the Midnight Snack Run. This is one tricky obstacle course. Sticking to healthy habits in this kitchen is going to take focus and determination, but it can be done, JB. He's already entered the snack part of the course, and he's eyeballing a jar of chocolatey candy. That is tempting right off the start. Uh Uh-oh, he's reaching, Bill, but he pushes it away. Great stiff arm. He's approaching a plate of delicious looking iced cookies. Oh, Dennis, you only want one of those. He blows right by him for the apple. Oh, the fridge. It's make or break time, J.B. He stares down some rich-looking treats. Uh Uh-oh. Looks like he's headed for the soda. Wait. He jukes left, grabs the water bottle, and shuts the door with his elbow in record time. Unbelievable move. I gotta see that again. And he's out. He even turned off the light. That's the way you execute a midnight snack run. Stand up to cancer and rally. Want you to reduce your risk for cancer? Go to TakeAHealthyStand.org.
7: Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created Thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in retirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
8: Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I'd love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice? Or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious all these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills and it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together as a father helping my child is the most important thing to me each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking reading and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life visit talkingisteaching.org for free tips resources and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning.
0: HRRN is live online go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime read our blogs, get the latest news and see our entire broadcast schedule it's all there at horseracingradio.net and follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook, search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows, HRRN is home to racing's biggest events and our home on the web is at horseracing Radio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show. On the Horse Racing Radio Network.
1: O'Connor's gonna try to thread the needle here. They went three quarters in 110 and four. Grand Aspen has the lead. O'Connor has secured the inside spot, but he's a length and a half behind. From the outside, it's Octane. Nobody running home from the back. We're down to two chances here. Off the turn and the stretch drive. The leader is Grand Aspen. On the inside, O'Connor has a 16th to get by. New York traffic back running again. Final 16th of a mile. New York traffic not done. He's closing ground. O'Connor finishing up toward the rail. Here's O'Connor inside. O'Connor gets up to win it. Second is Grand Aspen. Third is New York traffic. And fourth is Steel Sunshine. The Harlins Holiday to O'Connor.
2: Welcome back. First Bed Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich here every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time covering live action from around the country and bringing you up to date on all the news in Thoroughbred Racing as we lead up to the call-in show, which is every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Your chance, HRRN Nation, to call in and talk about whatever you'd like in this world of Thoroughbred Racing that we live in. We owe you prices from everywhere, and we're going to start out at Gulfstream Park, where there was finally a change to the order of finish. The original... the There was an inquiry and an objection involving the first three finishers in the ninth race. The unofficial order of finish was 5-6-8-7, but we had noticed that uh, there was some bumping involving the top three finishers Oh, right around the top of the stretch, and it kind of looked on the head-on shot as if the favorite number six skinny Cosmo who crossed the wire second uh, was the culprit in the bumping, and the stewards agreed with that Theory Bob ended up disqualifying her and placing her third, so the new order of finish now officially five eight six, seven. No change as far as the winner goes. Number five, wow lucky of three-year-old Bay Philly by looking at lucky out of the scat daddy mare Kitana owned by Vicente Stella Stables, trying by Eniel Cordero and Luis Sayas, the winning rider.
3: Bob, I still don't have uh, results on this race. Um anywhere i mean I, okay. I know i know the order but i don't have i don't have to show any prices
2: all right so we will get those prices we'll try to get those to you after uh let's see if i can get you the prices for those races in fact i've got it all right number five wow lucky six dollars three twenty two ten. Second was number eight. Looks lucky to me. Place second after the DQ of number. I uh, rather uh, after the DQ of number six. So second okay. eight looks lucky to me. $6.40, three. Three dollars rather. Third six skinny Cosmo two ten to show. Fourth number seven Spirit of Victory dollar exact dollars eighteen ten. The fifty cent try fourteen thirty five. The dollar super ninety four dollars and 60 cents over at aqueduct results of their eighth and final race have been posted official and number three chalky cat with the good closing kick to get up and win going away a four-year-old dark bay brown gelding by race day out of the kittens joy mare follow the kitten owned by paddock proud limited trained by ed barker with luis rivera jr in the saddle
3: yes chalky cat was the three paid fourteen dollars to win four ten to place two seventy to show Good reunion, very disappointing at three to five, paid two sixty to place, two sixty to show, and Sin Nombre, the five finished third, paid three dollars to show. The one dollar exact of three $7, 13 dollars twenty cents. The fifty cent try three seven five twenty one dollars twenty five cents, and the one dollar super three seven five four one hundred and twenty three dollars even.
2: Over at Fairgrounds, a race that we couldn't bring you live, but it was a close call in race number six that went to number th- uh, one premium. Four-year-old Bay Gelding by Mastery out of the Indian Charlie Mare. Remarkable. Owned by Abel Cabeto and trained by Ken Hargrave. Marcelino Pedrosa Jr., the winning rider.
3: Yeah, premium was interesting in here. He'd been uh, running in $15,000 claiming races. Ran a huge race last time at Fairgrounds, finishing second after encountering all kinds of trouble. Obviously thriving, they moved him up to uh, 30, and he finished strongly to just edge out Gunner Bay. Uh, good effort uh, for the Hargrave barn, written by Marcelino Pedroza, who's on fire lately. Uh, premium paid 1840 to win, 760 to place, 360 to show. Gunner Bay for Steve Margolis, uh, who continues very much in form, uh, paid seven dollars to place, four twenty to show. And indulge close late to pick up third paid three hundred forty to show. The one dollar exacta one five paid fifty eight fifty, the fifty cent try $1.57, dollars and a nickel, and the ten cent super one five seven and two paid five hundred twenty two dollars fifty cents.
2: Bob, we had a lot of great racing last weekend, uh, including a four bagger of steaks over at Gulfstream park. As we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the Harlands holiday won by O'Connor. It is, uh, well of late become known as kind of, pe- uh, Pegasus world cup preview day, if you will. So this, the, the big local prep toward the Pegasus world cup invitational as the Harlan's holiday. And, uh, Good effort from O'Connor. I I don't. May, maybe I'm just um, listen. I, I conceded is not the word I'm looking for. Snobbish. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe I'm expect. You know when you when you have names like Gun Runner and Arrogate and horses like that who have competed in and won the Pegasus in years. When you think of O'Connor, at least to me, he doesn't sound like the greatest Pegasus horse that we've seen, but he is certainly going to be one of the ones to beat uh, end of January in the Pegasus coming off that Harlan's holiday victory.
3: Yeah. And when we handicapped this race together, you, you noted that although we both thought it looked like a very good grade three race, it didn't look like a horse with, with a uh, grade, grade one contenders in it. And after, after watching the race, um, you know, again, very, very solid um, group of 10 horses in here, In fact, some of the ones that ran near the bottom have had very good resumes. Um, O'Connor's just in great form. uh, Beat a good horse in Grand Aspen uh, by a neck. And, uh, yeah, he'll take his place in the starting gate, but it would be pretty stunning if the uh, now 7-year-old son of uh, Bobo Man, the Chilean bred, were able to win the Pegasus. But uh, who knows? He likes the track.
2: He certainly likes the track, and he's obviously in very good form. Uh, I read something today uh, saying that horses like Saudi Crown and First Mission are horses that are, if they're either pointing toward the Pegasus or expected to be heavies uh, among the nominations, they would certainly at least give O'Connor a run for his money if not beat him.
3: Yeah, matter. I would expect Grand Aspen to, to possibly line up, and he could turn the tables on O'Connor, know whether they're, Fifth and sixth or or second and third. I I just would be stunned if somebody came out of this race and won the Pegasus. To me, it would would be a a very disappointing uh, renewal.
2: As I mentioned, there were four stakes this past Saturday at Gulfstream Park, the first of which was the Rampart, uh, a one-turn, one-mile main track affair for fillies and mares where Mary, quite contrary, uh, returned to where she likes it the best down in South Florida, and she put in her uh, usual late run and was able to get up and win by a length at odds of 6-5. Uh, to five.
3: Yes, more of the same from her, um, exactly sort of what you'd expect. Um, got going late. Took her a while to wind up, but uh, in her first start for uh, Eddie Place Jr., um, she got the win. And who knows? That, that's her fourth uh, trainer, pretty lightly raced career. Very talented horse. Loves Gulfstream Park. It'll be interesting to see where she turns up next, because um, there isn't there isn't a, a, a female equivalent race on the Pegasus card for uh, for dirt horses. Yeah, I think they turn back to I, seven furlongs. They turned back to seven for the inside information.
2: Yeah, and uh, that usually brings some other runners in the field. Obviously, the inside information, I think, a graded stake as well. So you could get some uh, higher-level competition in that race, and they may, not, uh, they may choose not to run her going seven furlongs. But she obviously runs very well around one turn at Gulfstream Park. So it it might be one of those things. Listen, if she's fit and healthy and the next option is shipping her halfway around the country to run for the same kind of purse or even less, maybe they take a shot uh, in that inside information. But whatever it was, she looked very, very good this past weekend getting back on the winning track uh, in the rampart. Over uh, just a few races later, they had the grade three Swanee River for the fillies and mares at a mile on the turf. And full count Felicia put in a sustained run from uh, mid-pack to get up and win it by three-quarters of a length. She flew home, Bob. The seven-furlong split was 122.94, and full count Felicia came home 134.23, and she wasn't in front for that seven-furlong split, so she was really rolling down that Gulfstream stretch.
3: Oh, when she's good, she's very good. Um, five-year-old daughter of Warfront out of a Galileo mare, again, 5 for 14 now, lifetime, and uh, one of the stars of the very strong Brittany Russell stable. Uh, Good ride by Irad, Um, and, you know, one as she was entitled to do, but but definitely uh, displayed her abundant talent
2: uh, the other day. And we'll talk a little bit more about Brittany Russell a little bit later in the show. The fourth of the stakes this past Saturday at Gulfstream was the grade two Fort Lauderdale. This serves as the de facto local prep for the Pegasus World Cup turf invitational. Mile and an eighth on the turf uh, for, at that time, the three-year-olds and up. Saw a couple long shots run one, two main event and King Max. I know you wanted King Max with every bone in your body, and he ran great he just could not get to main event. Who was able to set very modest fractions early on.
3: Yeah, no, it was frustrating. Uh, King Max, obviously, well met. Uh, I think we'll probably see both these horses in the Pegasus Turf uh, uh, and maybe a couple of others from this race. That, you know, I don't know what the rules are in terms of uh, filling that race, but those two ran exceptional races, and uh, King Max for uh, Ammo Racing Limited and their new rider, David Egan, uh, they have to be pleased, but, of course, um, second, second place is not good enough, but, uh, excellent effort from King Max, a really exciting son of a uh, Kingman that we're, we're lucky to have running in this country.
2: Tell everyone a little bit about David Egan. He's not very well known for those of us who watch the races here in the U S that much, but, uh, rode at Gulfstream last week. And I think he's riding at Gulfstream in the stakes this weekend as well. What do you know about David Egan?
3: Well, he's most famous for riding Mishrif, um, who won the, uh, saudi cup and then i uh, can't remember which group one race he won in the uh... summertime uh... for john gosden um... but he's taken the job kind of a big job in uk racing for ammo racing um, who employed kevin Stott very effectively uh... last year decided they needed to make a change david is the son of john egan who's uh... well in his into his fifties now a veteran rider uh... really really nice uh, father son uh team there uh definitely has learned a lot from his father uh, really good kid uh, met him a couple times and uh just a really keen kid and is in the mid-20s a, a strong rider just a, another really outstanding uh british rider that uh, we see um on our sewill right now because the uh, purse money in the uk is quite poor and a lot of these guys don't want to go to the middle east so they Come to places like Gulfstream, Delmar, and Fairgrounds. Well, I'm sorry, Santa it. Anita.
2: I, I guess they could go to Hong Kong. The purses are great there, but that's uh, that's a long that's a long way away from uh, a, r- riding in the UK.
3: Plus, it's a deep colony, you know. And there's there's you know, uh, you know. Obviously, we've seen uh, lesser riders come over and do extremely well, both from France and England, in, in recent years. So. They see these guys that they respect, that they have you know friendships with, and they you know whether it be guys like Adam Biskitza or Declan Cannon, um, you know certainly some of the French guys, um, starting of course with Lepereau and then Giroux, and of course uh, Flavian Pratt. Uh, we have Sh- uh, Cheminot uh, picking up mounts now as well, so um, we're starting to see a lot of really high quality European riders coming over here on a regular basis, especially. Not during the prime parts of the uh, flat season in Europe, because the money's so good. Um, so they they definitely want to enjoy their holidays and, and, and pick up some mounts. And then you know heading into you know Breeders' Cup, they would have made a, a good relationship with uh, American connections.
2: Yeah, and let's face it, uh, there's a lot more American-based runners in the Breeders' Cup, and there always will be than there are Euro-based runners or Asian-based runners. I know we see a lot of the Euro-based runners in the turf races, and we've seen more runners based in Asia over the last few years. But obviously, since the Breeders, un- unless they end up moving the Breeders' Cup to Europe at some point, which I don't think that's ever going to happen. No. Um, it doesn't seem like something that that would happen. Uh, it'll always be that way, and it makes sense for these jockeys and and agents and whatever to, you know, get to know some of the people. Uh, you know, it's it's not exactly the same, Bob, but it reminds me of a story. So, um, being based here in South Florida, as I am, um, South Florida has a big Latino community, and uh, maybe almost, maybe about half maybe about 50% um, English is the first language and almost 50% Spanish as the first language. And we see a lot of riders when they're starting out that are coming up from either South America or places like Panama or even in the, in the Caribbean will come to Florida first before they figure out where they want to go. And we've seen a, a whole lot of great riders over, even in just the last 20 years or so, whether it's the Abar Coas or Javier Castellanos or Luis Saez or, or Cornelio Velasquez or whoever it is, you know, they, they've maybe started at Calder and then found their way and if, you know, either to New York or to Kentucky or staying here in Florida or going to California or whatever it is. And I always wondered that there, there are a few out there that don't don't learn how to speak English, and it it always I always I said if I was an agent, and I had a few people ask me about being an agent, and you obviously were an agent, I I would I would almost I mean without saying demanding it, I mean be as persuasive as could possibly be to this this jockey who isn't speaking English that you need to learn. Some English, just because it will open up so many more doors. There are going to be trainers out there that will or will not ride you because you can or can't be given instructions directly from them in the paddock or before you get on a horse in the morning. And when you're, and 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 it kind of takes me back to what you're saying now about these European-based riders coming over here and just getting to know some of the connections. Not that. You know, a lot the Europeans don't speak English. A lot of the European writers do speak English very, very well. In fact, a very high percentage of them speak English, uh, include as well as you know wherever they're you know from. Um, but it makes it's the same kind of thing. It just makes so much sense to open up the doors and give yourself a chance at making more money by meeting the people over here that maybe you wouldn't see except once a year when you come for the Breeders' Cup.
3: Well, I mean, we can say first about the major French riders in this country. Um, We've seen Pratt talk. We've seen Giroux talk. We've seen Leperoux talk. Um, I've never heard an Umberto Rispoli um, interview, and of course he's Italian, but they all speak English in a very credible fashion. Um, It's almost imperative these days for a jockey agent if they're going to be effective, or it's a huge bonus, it's a huge plus if they are bilingual, because they, just like we see in baseball all the time, uh, with pitchers, with their translators, an an outstanding um, jockey from Central America or South America is going to be advantaged by having that translator, and that's become part of the agent's job. I mean, I remember years ago, I had a jockey named Felix Ortiz that didn't speak much English at all. And I remember we, we were riding a lot of Arkansas breads at Oaklawn Park and uh, kneeling in the sand with the trainer and making a race course and, and with our fingers sort of plotting out, you know, where, where they wanted to be. And that was like kind of the most effective way to communicate. Um, uh, who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, just, it, it would be a extremely, uh it would be a huge bonus if a rider could communicate directly with the, with the trainer. But, you know, in baseball, we see guys that, that have been here for years that that don't speak much English uh, either doesn't seem to affect their contracts if they perform on the field I I would assume the same goes for jockeys
2: yes but most of those high-priced baseball players like even somebody like Shohei Otani they have an interpreter with their everywhere that they go um, which kind of makes me think that as much as it makes sense for the jockeys to learn English as in it if they're coming over here, it makes sense, like, here in South Florida, if you were, gonna, if I was going to be an agent, to be able to speak fluent Spanish as well as fluent English, that's certainly I, – I can't imagine the story you were saying, Charlie Whittingham kneeling down in <laughs> one of his – you know, in his dress pants in the paddock at Hollywood Park and drawing a picture uh, for Lafitte Pincai if somehow he didn't understand English.
3: No, I can't either, um, but – um, you know, these days, of course, in Southern California and South Florida, a lot of the trainers um, don't speak um, a whole lot of English either. So that's, a, you know, it's another, it's just a key aspect of being a modern jockey agent. If you can speak Spanish to your riders, riders, and, and you know, it's going to get you in a lot of barns if you can talk fluent Spanish to, to a, a Spanish-speaking trainer.
2: All right, let's get out to fairgrounds. They're getting close to post time uh, for race number seven, about seven and a half furlongs on the turf. These are fillies and mares, non-winners of two races lifetime, or three-year-old fillies. So newly turned three-year-old fillies or fillies four and up that are non-winners of three life. They're all in for a $30,000 tag. I'd be shocked if there was a three-year-old filly actually in this race there five is. days into their three-year-old campaign and there is yeah number the 11, 11 doesn't hurt yeah, to yeah. flirt wow holy moly three to five favorite by the way is number two a beautiful navigator who is the solid top choice of the first bed ai
3: yeah and should win but boy she's been frustrating be interested very interesting to see if she gets claimed um She's, you know, a well-bred daughter of expert eye, and she was, you know, campaigned in stakes races earlier in her career. Um, I kind of like She's Jersey Tough at a price here. I find it interesting that Run Happy has done so well as a turf sire. Um, this filly is a very consistent uh, rallier when she runs on grass, and uh, Ronnie Cravens, who ships in from Texas, is one for one this meet when he taps Ray Lou Gutierrez, so I expect a big run at about 10 to 1 for the 8. She's Jersey Tough
2: all right and she is uh, moving into the starting gate now they are a uh, double loading a little bit of an issue with number one lunar unit who reared up in gate number one and jockey marcelino pedrosa jr is now off he did not get thrown from her uh but there's a chance that he either hit himself on either the side or the top of the gate when the philly lunar unit acted up now she just went up came back down and is now standing still marcelino pedroza jr walking around behind the gate he looks like he has uh decided that all is good he is climbing back aboard this daughter of malibu moon and uh, going back in now, very gingerly moving in so as not to uh, spook this filly and cause any disturbance once again from the one hole, and she is taking it all in stride. We're just waiting for the aforementioned 3-year-old filly who five days ago, six days ago, was a 2-year-old filly. Number 11 doesn't hurt to flirt. She moves
9: to the outside gate. Here's John Dooley. Lunar unit comes racing out from the rail. Cahooey in the orange silks and... Doesn't hurt to flirt, strides up and looks for position. As they enter the first turn, it's Lunar Unit and Cahuya. Doesn't hurt to flirt, and beautiful Navigator, the favorite. With the rail there for Brian Hernandez, Jr. as they go to the back of the course. Then comes Sister Seek the Gray running in fifth. Nearest the inside, She's Jersey Tough is sixth with prize debate in seventh. They have just inside five furlongs to run. Then comes the great Catherine Blaze who covers Miss Tappy Tone with the rail. Lily's Screen is racing out deep on the course and Blaine Nelly trails. First quarter covered in 25.50 seconds. With the rail for Marcelino Pedroza Jr. at 58 to 1, it's lunar unit who just leans Cahuilla. Beautiful navigator getting a good toe into this from third. Half mile as they round the far turn up in 49.26 seconds. The inside lunar unit continues to hold on to a slight lead from Cahuilla, who's been right there with her. Beautiful navigator third every chance. Prize debate is drawing in in the red cap. She's Jersey Tuffle straightened away in fifth. Miss Tappy Tone is sixth. Then, doesn't hurt to flirt with on the far outside. Looking to gain ground, Lily's Creed after three quarters as they come inside the final quarter of a mile. And... Uh, in front here, it's Beautiful Navigator. Three-quarters went in 115.21. Beautiful Navigator took the lead. Prize debate, Miss Tappy Tone. Doesn't hurt to flirt is rallying on the front outside. Big effort from her. Close to home. Here comes Doesn't Hurt to Flirt. Doesn't Hurt to Flirt to James Graham. Doesn't Hurt to Flirt at 24-1 to in a photo with Miss Tappy Tone. Photo finish. Beautiful Navigator third. She's Jersey Tough fourth. Then prize debate and blame Nellie. Well, how about
2: that? The newly turned three-year-old filly, who just six days ago was a two-year-old filly, beating her elders uh, in what seemed like a race that she was completely up against it, uh, racing uh, against elders for the first time, racing from the outside in an 11-horse field, sent off at 24-1, to and she gets the job done for the team of Kelly Rubley and James Graham, unofficially 11-4-2 in race seven.
3: That was uh, pretty impressive. I mean, uh, uh, that's a new handicapping angle for you, uh, Bob. Bet the the lone, newly-turned three-year-old from the outside post in turf races at fairgrounds. Um, Six-wide bid. I mean, just, you know, again, uh, Jimmy Graham rides that turf course so well, and uh, no excuses for the uh, favorite there. Boy, has she been a disappointment for the McPeak barn, and uh, definitely ran with a for sale sign-on today. Uh, No excuses at all for my horse, she's Jersey Tough. She got a nice trip, got a nice seam uh, down the stretch and finished about fifth. But like we've seen throughout the course of this meet, uh, closing ground on the center or outside part of the racetrack has always been effective at uh, fairgrounds and certainly remains to be. But that was an unusually uh, promising effort by a newly turned three-year-old against her elders
2: not only uh, facing elders for the first time, and perhaps a lot earlier than most people would want. She was trying turf for the first time. She had four tries on the dirt, either in Maryland or in Delaware. But being by include out of a broken vowel mare, the, the breeding is certainly there to say that she has a chance to be okay on the turf. First time turf, first time Lasix. Gets to the outside and just rolls home and going to pay some $50 to get the job done. Covered the about seven and a half furlong distance in 133 and two. All right. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you paid for the seventh race. But before that, we're going to head out to Santa Anita and talk to Jeff Chapman. He's a VIP player host at the Great Race Place. And they've got the coast-to-coast pick five coming up between San Anita and Gulfstream Park summing up this Saturday. We'll talk all about it on the other side of the break. This is the first bet racing show on HRRN.
10: They are our cuddlers and coworkers, perm machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family. And they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there is nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts you can help keep pets and people together. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
6: If you're worried your friend may be struggling, remember, you don't have to be
3: there
8: to be there.
6: You can say how are you or get a fake tattoo? You can ask with an app if it works for you. You could write him a text or knit him a sweater. If you can't beat together, you can write him a letter. Whatever,
11: whatever, whatever
6: gets you talking. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking. You could chat on a game, kick off your flip-flops. You can ask on your couch while you binge watch. However you do it, you got to ask a friend, and if they don't share, you can ask again. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking.
4: Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation.
7: Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force.
0: H.R.R.N. is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net and follow us on Twitter at H.R.R.N. and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for H.R.R.N. and download our latest shows. H.R.R.N. is home to racing's biggest events and our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Olympic runners
1: caught very wide turning for home. On the outside, up to take the lead is Dancing Buck. Forbidden Kingdom fights right back and now has his chestnut head in front at the furlong pole. He and Dancing Buck putting on quite the show with Turn On The Jets three lengths back in third and Forbidden Kingdom, Resolute, turns away a big bid from Dancing Buck to win the Joe Hernandez. Then it was a photo for third. Turn On The Jets, Daniel's magic on the scene was Lucky Score trying to complete the
7: super high five.
2: Welcome back. First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, pleased to be joined now by Jeff Chapman. He's a VIP player host out at Santa Anita. And that, of course, Jeff, was the voice of your own Frank Miramati calling the Joe Hernandez this past weekend at the Great Race Place, a race that was originally scheduled to run at about six and a half furlongs down the hillside turf course but you guys had some rain all through the morning thankfully the race stayed on the turf but was moved to the newer more conventional turf sprint course and forbidden kingdom who was trying the turf for the first time in his career very impressive
12: holding on for the wire to wire win yeah he was very impressive um obviously forbidden kingdom has plenty of talent and plenty of early speed as we know uh you know, it tended, to be, tended to be a little bit of a runoff at times, but uh, it was a very impressive debut for the turf, and I, I'm sure maybe maybe that didn't hurt Forbidden Kingdom getting taken off the downhill and going to the flat six and a half furlongs.
2: Yeah, this was a horse that obviously at one point in his career was thought of as a possible Kentucky Derby hopeful, but uh, he's had a little. Uh issues here and there and uh, uh, whether he wants to go long, whether he wants to go short. And obviously the turf was a big question mark, as you alluded to there. But uh, questions answered this past weekend in the Joe Hernandez. So now the biggest question with Forbidden Kingdom is uh, where do they go next with him? They obviously have a lot of options. We're excited to see uh, what the future holds for Forbidden Kingdom. But we know what the future holds for those of us who like to bet the races, especially those of us who like to bet the races at both Santa Anita and Gulfstream Park as the Coast to Coast Pick 5 starts this weekend, my friend.
12: Yeah, the Coast to Coast uh, Pick 5 starts again this weekend, and it's going to be terrific. Like As we know, you know, it's three this weekend. It's three races from Gulfstream, two from Santa Anita. And you know, with the 15% player-friendly takeout, people tended to, to play it with both fifths last year and also with the $1 minimum. I got to tell you, the average payout last year was a little over $11,000 for the pick five. So the payouts have been terrific and full fields again this weekend. Can't wait. The,
2: the thing that I love about the dollar minimum, it,
12: first of all, it
2: it it's low enough that most people can play it, but it's also a big enough minimum that you're keeping you know, a lot of the smaller tickets or the tickets who want to spread and play these gorilla tickets where they're using six by seven by eight by four, you know, making that expensive enough that maybe people aren't spreading quite as much as they did. And as you mentioned, the payoffs are very, very high. The, the other thing that's intriguing about this is there are no consolations. For the coast to coast pick five, it's a one hundred percent carryover to the next day's coast to coast pick five if nobody has five winners. And the coast to coast pick five, I believe, is every Saturday and Sunday, starting this weekend through April seventh.
12: You are correct. That's every Saturday and Sunday through April seventh. And like you said, that's the big thing with the the full fields. They've been they've been you know obviously picking the spots. we we're, we're, we're trying to get the full fields. The dollar minimum is such a big deal because, as you said once again, people can't just do the giant gorilla tickets. You've got to pick your spots. You know, I, I, the, the way I always attack it is got to have a single in there somewhere and, 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 and take, it, take a swing somewhere, and then you may be able to get, a, get away with spreading in a couple of the legs and hopefully get lucky. And like we said, the payouts have been terrific so far.
2: Okay, so this Saturday is the first of this year's coast-to-coast pick fives. It involves the ninth at Gulfstream, the 10th at Gulfstream, followed by the 5th at Santa Anita, then back to Gulfstream for race 11, then back to Santa Anita for race 7, all within a little less than two hours, starting at 4.06 p.m. Eastern time and ending right around 6 p.m. Eastern time. Three at Gulfstream, two at Santa Anita. I don't want you to give too much away, but have you looked at all at the two Santa Anita races?
12: Yeah, I did. I started to take a peek at uh, the Santa Anita races. I think they're very interesting. Starting in the fifth, we're going six furlongs on the turf, the maiden special weights. As we know, these horses, the ones that just turned three, now all adding Lasix for the first time. So pretty much the whole field is first-time Lasix, which adds just another wrinkle to it. And um, I've got three horses just to – it's all kind of middle prices that I I thought were very interesting – you know, this is the early stages, but if I can get away with three deep in this first leg, that would be terrific. Uh, first leg at Santa Anita, which is race five, which is actually the third leg of the sequence. But uh, the two-horse Money Makes Money is a second-time starter for Mark Glatt. In, in the debut, this horse broke very slowly, uh, was checked on the turn. It was full of run late. Ran a, a closing third, galloped out real nicely. And uh, I think this horse has a lot of talent. And Mark Glatt, off to a terrific start, has only won six of his first 11 starts here at Santa Anita. So that's one of them. And the second horse I'm looking at is the three, who's El Ray Ray, Five to one on the morning line. This horse has had trouble in both starts. First time out, um, kind of I broke slowly kind of sat at the back of the pack and was was full of run late once again galloped out very well last time out they they actually went two turns this horse sat 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 exploded late lost by a neck big jock switch to Flavian Pratt here and I think this horse with with the two trips kind of from off the pace you might not think uh you know, or opening weekend, it seemed to you seem to have need to be up towards the lead a little bit more. But I think this horse has a little bit more tactical speed than shown, and obviously has some talent. And the third horse I'm looking at in the sequence is uh, the Ten Island Cruiser at four to one for John Sadler and Horonis Racing. This horse uh, on debut broke from the rail, broke very slowly, and absolutely exploded late. It was bet down to the five to two favorite on the debut all three of them add lasix all three of them look to have a lot of talent all three of those middle prices four to one five to one and four to one on the morning line in the race five which is the third leg at santa anita
2: Okay, so that's the third leg of the coast-to-coast Coast pick five and the first of the two Santa Anita legs. Uh, the final leg of the entire sequence is the seventh race at Santa Anita. These down-the-hill turf sprints forever seem like wide-open affairs at Santa Anita. Field of nine supposed to go in this one. Had would you see that
12: race? Yeah, I thought this was a tough one. Uh, like you said, it's always nice to have experience going down the hill. Uh, the one horse that has actually won down the hill is the eight diamonds dancing at six to one on the morning line, Uh, battled bravely and won by a neck, kind of stuck her neck out late and won. And you always like, as, as we both know, horses seem to love that downhill turf course or not love it. And the ones who run well tend to always come back and run well again. So I think that horse is worth using. Um, a couple more I will, I will use in the sequence would be the two-cast member, who's 7-2 to two on the morning line, hasn't been seen in almost a year, is a state-bred but actually won on debut for Tim Yachtin, who's not exactly known to win first time out. Horse actually won three in a row and then ran a nice third in the turf debut, which was actually going a mile. So I, I like the horses that cut back. And um, I watched one of the works on XBTV. This horse seems to be working well. So I think the year, year layoff will suit this horse just fine. And another horse that I think that's interesting is the five irresistible force who also hasn't ran since last June, but won very nicely uh, by two and a half lengths kind of forwardly placed on the turf here at Santa Anita, not down the hill, but this horse has big long strides. And I think at eight to one, is worth a price uh in this sequence as well
2: all right should be a fun sequence to kick it off on saturday once again three races at gulfstream two at san anita that could change from week to week of course this race is uh, these wager takes place every saturday and sunday starting this weekend through sa- through april the 7th uh races at san anita and gulfstream a one dollar minimum the coast-to-coast pick five with as Jeff mentioned, a player-friendly 15% takeout and no carryovers, or rather, uh, no consolations. 100% carryover. So if you don't have five of five, you better hope nobody has it, or else it's uh, it's getting hit. You there are no four of fives or three of fives. Uh, if nobody has five of five, it carries to the next day that the coast to coast pick five takes place. Jeff, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. We are excited to have this coast to coast pick five back. We will be handicapping and playing this weekend, my friend.
12: Absolutely, I can't wait, and uh, like we said, the payoffs have been terrific, and uh, time to dive deep and and jump into the the pools, and uh, can't wait for the racing this weekend at Santa Anita and Gulfstream Park.
2: All right, Jeff Chapman, our good friend from out at Santa Anita, and uh, Bob, he uh, obviously very excited about the Coast to Coast Pick 5, as we all are. It's a great wager, and as he mentioned, fantastic payoffs in the past in this wager, and that's really, I think what the no consolations and dollar minimum does it the dollar minimum for lack of a better term uh, keeps the monster tickets out unless you can really afford to play a monster ticket Uh, it makes it where uh, people playing on a budget which is most of us out there are having to make more choices than maybe we would if it was a 10 or 20 cent wager or even a 50 cent wager let's face it you know things add up and as as jeff was mentioning he's looking for singles you know if you get to a race where well you've got it down to two instead of one that's twice as much and you you know that that makes it where you know instead of uh you know, let's say a $288 venture. Now it's a, what's that, $576 venture. And uh, what, what could go from affordable to some people to not affordable to others. So the payoffs are going to be bigger. Uh, the pluses and minuses are you're putting more money in, you're getting less coverage, but if you're right, you're going to be rewarded.
3: I think they've got it right. You know, I think that that's, you know, the right way to do it. appeals to uh, handicappers, like you mentioned. I'm particularly impressed with your ability to double 288 so quickly, Bob. Nice piece of math.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of the – I've – for some reason, that seems to be a magical number. All right, 288 times whatever. Oh boy, I'm getting <laughs> a little pricey here for me to only hit this thing once. I need to cut this down. Uh, we'll see what I can do. By the way, Forbidden Kingdom. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Jeff, but um, this is a this is an interestingly good horse. Uh, he is a horse that's owned in partnership by my racehorse as well as Spendthrift. He's trained by Dick Mandela. And uh, once upon a time, he was a major player in the three-year-old races. Uh, He was one of the favorites in the Santa Anita Derby in 2022, coming off wins, I believe, in the San Felipe and the San Vicente. But he hadn't won since that San Felipe win for about six or seven starts, uh, losing in races going long, going short, even coming back, I think, in an allowance race. Uh, during the the fall meet at Del Mar a couple of years ago. Uh, Who knew that he wanted to run on the turf? And, listen, I don't know if he's a better horse on the turf than he is on the dirt, because when he's good on the dirt, he is really, really good. But he did look good this past weekend in the Joe Hernandez getting the lead and and taking him all the
11: way.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think his Hall of Fame trainer knew, um, you know, Dick Mandela. And uh, like you mentioned, when he won the San Felipe pretty easily – he became the talking horse out in California, and that was quickly blunted by a uh, by a subpar effort in the Santa Anita Derby. And, uh, you know, it's taken some time, but uh, perhaps sprinting on the turf will be his, uh, his forte.
2: Well, they sound like they probably – listen, who knows what they were doing, if Dick Mandela knew all the time, or he was guessing like everyone else as to whether or not – you know, he could have been reading the radar and thinking – hey, it's going to rain, they're going to take this race off the turf. We're going to have about a field of five or six here, and we're just going on with it in this off-the-turf Joe Hernandez that didn't come off the turf, despite the fact that I had been telling everybody it's definitely coming off the turf. Uh, It came off the hillside, but it didn't come off the turf. And whatever, they've got a lot of options now with Forbidden Kingdom that maybe they didn't have about a year ago. We owe some prices from over at Fairgrounds where the seventh race on the card was won by a long shot. Number 11, Doesn't Hurt to Flirt. She's a three-year-old chestnut filly by Include out of the Broken mare I'm Engaged, owned by Housatonic Stables and Happy Days Stable, uh, or Housatonic Stables and Oh Happy Days Stable, trained by Kelly Rubley, James Graham aboard the long shot winner.
3: Yes, Kelly Rubley, she's, of course, a veteran Trainer who usually plies her trade in Maryland. Um, trained always mining. I remember we ran the Preakness and won all the local races leading up to a, kind of a hype horse going into the Preakness. And then she also trained Divisadero, who became a very good turf horse uh, for both Kelly Rubley and then subsequently Buff Bradley. Um, like I said, she won the Maiden Claiming 12 at Laurel by about 12 lengths after, I think, it about her sixth start. And uh, she was training well at Fairgrounds. So they took a shot with a newly turned uh, three-year-old on the turf, and boy, did she explode for a Jimmy Graham great ride. She was the 11. She paid 51.40 to win, 18.40 to place, 6.40 to show. Miss Tappy Tone for Chris Hartman finished second, six dollars to place, three dollars to show. And the heavily favored Beautiful Navigator another frustrating effort for her. It'd be interesting if she gets claimed her first time for a tag. Um earlier today, good reunion, who ran a bad race and the in the alas is, the heavy favorite at aqueduct got claimed by uh, now owner trainer Linda rice. I'm happy I'm, I'm sure she's happy to retain the maiden condition. Uh, beautiful navigator paid two twenty to show the one dollar exact eleven four paid one fifteen ninety, the fifty cent try, eleven four two two twenty five eighty, and the ten cent super eleven four two eight, two sixteen seventy two or for a dollar twenty one sixty seven twenty.
2: Well the winner of the upcoming eighth race at Fairgrounds will not pay as much, and I can say that confidently with the fact that it's four minutes to post. It's a five horse field and the longest shot in the field at this point is just ten to one. But this upcoming eighth race is an allowance event for the Louisiana bred three-year-olds that are all non-winners of two races lifetime. Seven were entered, two scratched, those being numbers two and five all the money coming in now on number 7, Summertime Peppers. She was the top choice by a long way, according to the First Bet AI, and the bettors agree she was 3-1 to one on the morning line. She is 3-5 to five with four minutes to post.
3: Yeah, very significant scratch with sounds like power. Looked like kind of an ideal spot uh, for that Louisiana-bred Colt uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, he looked like a, a, a really nice closer in a race filled with speed. Um, scratched for whatever reason, like I said. Summertime peppers, of course, bred by Perry Martin of California Chrome fame, who apparently has moved his entire operation to Louisiana in recent years. Blew apart a field at Delta Downs last time and is now three to five at, at uh, Fairgrounds. Um, it's hard for me to take a short price, but where do you go? Um, I'm, I'm interested in, in in a horse that's taking a little action now who is in so much in need of a class drop, and that's Rising Coto Star. Uh, Gary Husack has run this three-year-old gelding and a bunch of stakes races, a son of Star guitar. We know how good he is with his Louisiana breads. And this is, you know, a bunch of of, of speed horses, and if Rising Coto Star can get his act together, I think he can make a pretty big impact in here.
2: Okay, so the question is, why would we think that today could be a different day for rising Koto star as compared to what we saw certainly in his last start where it was just awful, but uh, even the start before was nothing to write home about?
3: I mean, you just have to trust that the class study was just running way over his head. Um, and uh, very well could have been. Uh, he won his maiden first time out, closing ground at Evangeline under Aubrey Green, uh, and then you know, Basically, they jumped him up in the stakes company, and he got sour from it. Um, so he's been freshened a little bit, um, had nearly a month off, uh, has a work. Um, jock switch from uh, Aubrey Green to Emmanuel Nieves, who's uh, had a decent meet out there. And uh, Gary Husak, capable trainer, 2 for 10, might have him in a spot where he can make an impact because, again, everybody in here seems to want the front end. And, uh, you know, whereas Summertime Peppers, clearly that last race, um, you know, lays over the field for Maiden 50 state breads at uh, Delta. But it was Maidens and it was Delta. Five furlongs, of course, around Delta is a a far different proposition than six furlongs here. And I don't think you can take a short price on Summertime Peppers.
2: Okay, so if you like number four, Rising Kodo Star, and you're willing to bet him to win at odds of nine to one. He is the longest shot in the field right now. Uh, looking at the saving exacta, if you will, uh, maybe if he runs a good race and is just second best to the favorite, Summertime Peppers. Eleven dollars for a dollar. So really not a bad payoff with a one to, to one to two shot uh, beating uh, number four Rising Coto Star. Maybe that's the way to go if we like this one. Uh, betting him to win and maybe a small saver of a seven four variety that uh, as of now is still playing playing pretty well. But uh, we've got uh, allegedly one minute to post for the upcoming eighth race at Fairgrounds. want to remind everybody, coming up at the top of the hour, James Scully joins me for the call-in show. Your chance to call in HRRN Nation, talk about whatever you'd like in the world of thoroughbred racing. We'll give that phone number out uh, toward the end of the First Bet Racing Show, but the call-in show coming up next and every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, That being said, we still have uh, plenty of live racing action to come before today. Uh, We're still in that time of year, Bob, where not everyone is running on Thursdays. I think there's going to be a time, I believe, uh, for a month, there's going to be a month or so, I believe, in February where Oaklawn starts running four days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We are just waiting uh, to eventually get to four days out in, in Southern California. That was one of the the points when uh, the folks over at first announced the the plans uh, for the closure of Golden Gate, that uh, you know they'd get some horses from the north to come down south, and that would make for a uh, bigger racing population. Uh, in Southern California, and we might be able to get to uh, more racing days out at Santa Anita. Certainly hope that that uh, ends up happening on a more regular basis, too. And, of course, uh, other tracks around the country. But uh, we're still just getting out of that holiday period where some tracks ran maybe on New Year's Day and some, you know, this and some that uh, before we get into it. So the Thursdays are a little bit light. The Fridays will be a little bit uh, busier as everyone gets back. In the thick of it, we of course will have fairgrounds and Gulfstream Park and Santa Anita on the docket tomorrow. Aqueduct back in action, Oaklawn Park, as uh, we have betting with Bobby tomorrow afternoon from four to six p.m. Eastern time. All right, these state-bred three-year-olds have arrived at the starting gate for race eight out at the fairgrounds. Heavy favorite is number seven, Summertime
9: Peppers. Here's John Dooley on the mic. Rough and sprinting, country guy was quick. Kraken Jacks in the turquoise cap and toward the inside. Here comes this early bid by Overpaid as they make this run toward the half-mile pole. First run since Lone Star for Overpaid, who's vying for the early lead with Kraken and Jacks, and they take this pace battle to the half-mile pole, a neck apart. Rising Koto Star, David Cohen and Summertime Peppers strides up on the outside. Rising Koto Star is now running in fourth and Country Guy Trails. The first quarter covered in 21.77 seconds. Hot pace on as they go to three for Longs from home. Still these two, Kraken Jackson overpaid with the rail. Summertime Peppers is three lengths away, nearing the top of the stretch. Rising Koto Star and Country Guy is last of the quintet as these three-year-olds turn for home. Kraken Jacks has battled. Battled hard, overpaid through a half mile in 45.54 seconds. On the outside of 1 to 5, Summertime Peppers is charging hard. Rising Koto Star, finally Country Guy with Aubrey Green. Kraken Jacks in front leads them down to the final half furlong. Summertime Peppers is all out. Overpaid is spent. Rising Koto Star, Country Guy, it's Kraken Jacks, another long odds winner here at the fairgrounds. Kraken Jacks at 11 to 1 scores by 5. Summertime Peppers was second, overpaid third, then rising Koto star and country guy. A total stagger fest
2: down the lane in the eighth race at the fairgrounds. Number three, Kraken Jacks, who was in a total speed duel early on with the one overpaid, was able to put that one away at the top of the stretch. And despite the fact that Kraken Jacks came home in about 14 and a half seconds for the final furlong, he was actually pulling away from the rest of the field, including the quote-unquote hard-charging Summertime Peppers, who was not hard-charging, but all out to somehow just get up and be 2nd seven one four, the order of finish in the eighth at Fairgrounds.
3: Yeah, we had the the uh, wrong long shot there. Um, <laughs> I thought it would be a, a case where it would be a stagger-fest, but Rising Cotto Star would be moving forward. uh was well-positioned in there, but completely flattened out. And again, identifying a bad favorite's a, an important part of the uh, of the uh, sport. And uh, Summertime Peppers really, in the first three starts of his career, including here at the Fairgrounds, he he does not finish off his uh, races. And uh, whatever he beat going five at uh, Delta last time, uh, they you know, probably uh, could never contend in a race like this at uh, Fairgrounds. And uh, you know, again, back to the drawing board for that horse, but uh, not a very impressive effort by the one to five favorite.
2: No, I, and going into the far turn, I thought both the favorite and your selection were exactly where they wanted to be, because it just looked like well, the one and the three have to stop. They went twenty-one and three and forty-five and two, and they're duking it out on the front end, and they're basically dueling each other into submission. But as you mentioned, Bob, that would normally be the case, except that the The three-year-olds running behind those two duking it out were not very good, as it turned out, including the favorite Summertime Peppers, who is all out to finish second at odds of 1 to 5. All right, Uh, those results have been posted official. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13? or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone. This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device, at your local verizon store today all right we're going to take a break when we come back we'll get you paid in the eighth race at fairgrounds we've got race nine coming up oh about 20 25 minutes from now we'll look back at some other big stakes from last weekend talk about a little news that's happened in the world of racing over the last week or so lots to come on the first bet racing show on hrrn
10: dear vet ticks it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans it's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated
0: I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, VetTix. Dear VetTix, thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans.
5: Thank you so much, VetTix.
7: Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break.
8: Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to VetTix, You'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience, give the memory. VetTix, give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to VetTix.org.
1: Hi, this is Kelsey Grammer. When military service members head into battle, none are expected to face the enemy alone. But many return home and become isolated as they struggle with the visible and invisible wounds of war. It can be difficult knowing how to overcome that challenge and rekindle bonds similar to those formed in the military. Wounded Warrior Project supports these injured veterans through their recoveries by connecting them with fellow warriors and their communities. No one should fight this battle alone. Join us at WoundedWarriorProject.org.
11: This place has a pulse. You hear it in the canopy. Feel it in the ground. Life, fully illuminated, engulfs you. From the birds singing in the treetops above to the tiniest insects in the soil below. You take a deep, cleansing breath, filling your lungs with the essence of the forest. Now, imagine it's all gone. Healthy, life-giving forests reduced to nothing. No singing birds, no lush canopy, and water and food in short supply around the world. Time is running out to protect our forests. And without our love, they can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our forests. Visit World Wildlife Fund at WWF.org/love.
0: H-R-R-N is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at H-R-R-N. And like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for H-R-R-N and download our latest shows. H-R-R-N is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network
9: as these three rolls turn for home. Velocitor's handy and Gigante now tips to the outside to a clear path and Gigante is circling. Three quarters in one minute, 13 seconds flat. They're in the final quarter of a mile. It is deck and Prince Northern Invader has that big white blaze and Gigante charging on the outside now to confront to the inside. Northern Invader as they come past the 16th. Who wants the wood chopper? Gigante, Northern Invader, it's Gigante. It's another stakes. For Gigante, who beats Northern Invader home, point proven third, and Deccan Prince finish fourth.
2: Welcome back, first bet racing show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Bobby Newman, Bob Nasanovich. That was the call from John Dooley of the Woodchopper Stakes this past Saturday out at the fairgrounds. Why isn't it Gigante? Shouldn't it be Gigante, not Gigante? G-I-G-A-N-T-E. I'm going to say Higante getting the job done by a neck over the big favorite Northern Invader. I believe that was our good friend Bob Nastanovich's best bet of the week last week on our weekend stakes preview. And Higante with back-to-back wins, getting the job done in the wood chopper, covering the mile in 136-3. Bob, uh, that was a race where the whole—I uh, was watching it live, and the whole time around, it looked like Northern Invader was sitting the right trip, and he was the horse to beat. And he got. They took a long time to get going, but once he got going, he really made a good move around the turn to the top of the stretch, and then uh, duked it out with the favorite all the way down the lane to prevail by a neck.
3: Yeah, I don't think he gets the the respect he deserves. He's now you know six for thirteen lifetime. He won the the Grade Two Secretary at Colonial in August. Um, he's run some really good races. One he won a off the turf uh, a renewal of the Commonwealth Turf at uh, Churchill. And I was kind of shocked by the betting in there. They made Northern Invader, who to me did not have as attractive a, as a resume as Higante, a uh, favorite there. Uh, and, uh, you know, two very classy uh, turf horses, and uh, Higante got the nod there. So I was very pleased.
2: That was one of two stake races this past Saturday at the fairgrounds, the Wood Chopper for the 3-year-olds at a mile on the turf, and about an hour later the Pago Hop for the 3-year-old fillies, also at about a mile on the on the turf the wood chopper went considerably faster than the pego hop over a second faster but nonetheless a big effort from tufani under ben curtis for trainer mike stidham to come from well off the pace you've mentioned this before bob you like the off the pace runners on the turf at fairgrounds
3: yeah they tend to be very effective on both sprints and routes and uh, tufani who's trained by mike stidham who, who again we mentioned has had a frustrating meeting uh, going into uh, the Pago hop, that was uh, Tufani was his lone winner of the meet. You know, we know he's better than that. He's had a bunch of seconds. And uh, he used Ben Curtis, uh, another one of these riders that's come over from the U.K. Uh, to ply his trade. This one's at uh, Fairgrounds, and uh, he's won twice on Tufani, who's now four for seven. So a very talented daughter of uh, distorted humor going forward for the Stidham Barn.
2: Bob, let's get the prices in for the eighth race at Fairgrounds, where we saw a tenacious uh, front-running duel turning into victory for number three Kraken Jacks, a three-year-old bay gelding by McCracken out of the Yes It's True mare Jacks and Jill, owned by Elite Thoroughbred Racing and others, trained by Lee Thomas, Aubrey Green, the winning rider.
3: Yeah, this was clearly a case of a race where no one is adept at passing horses and. Uh, Kraken Jacks uh, put away overpaid, and uh, interestingly, she had ridden Rising Kodo Star in in, uh, all six of uh, his previous starts, and uh, perhaps uh, uh, the choice uh, to ride Kraken Jacks was her, knowing that uh, Rising Kodo Star uh, would not pass horses. Uh, Either way, good win for the Lee Thomas barn. Kraken Jacks paid 24 to win, 5 to place, 260 to show disappointing favorite summertime peppers 22210 and the one overpaid hung on for third paid 240 to show the $1 exact at 2270 the 50 cent try 3712770 and the dollar super 3714 116 even
2: folks the spotlight is on Maryland racing this month with a special bonus from first bet Win your share of $2,000 in bonus cash when you hit the late pick four at Laurel Park each racing day in January from January 5th through January 28th. Load up your first bet account and get ready to win. Well, that's a good segue into our next segment. It's time for the Blood Horse News Update. Look at the top headlines from BloodHorse.com. one's so good we're going to give you two quick blood horse news updates and it both involves the ladies speaking of maryland russell first woman to lead maryland trainer standings britney russell's meteoric career trajectory reached a historic height sunday at laurel park when the 34 year old in just her fourth full season became the first female to lead the annual trainer standings in Maryland, quote, I'm just so proud of the team. It's a huge accomplishment for everybody and they've been working so hard, Russell said. Now that everyone pointed it out to us, we've been keeping an eye on it the last few days. It feels really good to seal it up. Obviously the highlight would have been Doppelganger winning the grade one Carter. That was a pretty big accomplishment on the year she went forward with. We, we've had a lot of good horses, a lot of good winners this year. Shoot yesterday, Felicia won the grade three for us to honestly end. With one like that is pretty huge too. That felt pretty good. She, of course, was talking about the Suwannee River this past weekend out at Gulfstream Park. Uh, that wraps up this edition of the Blood Horse News Update. Looking for information on any stallion or his progeny, Blood Horse Stallion Register is the industry's source for stallion information, including stats, top performers, recent race results, upcoming entries. Sales results and more. It's continuously updated and all found on the Bloodhorse website or by going directly to stallionregister.com. And Bob, we don't need all the fun music again. But I mentioned that they we're gonna. This is gonna be kind of a double blood horse news update speaking of the women rice caps 2023 with naira record 165th victory trainer linda rice secured a record 165th training win on the naira circuit for 2023 when george's vice posted a gate to wire score in race two on new year's eve at aqueduct quote it's a tough number to get to i think about how we're starting over at one tomorrow said rice with a laugh it's just been an incredible year i'm really excited and i just hope we can do something that will compare going forward that's a high bar to set by the way linda rice uh her banner year included leading trainer honors uh at both the winter and spring meets at aqueduct the spring-summer meet at Belmont Park. She tied with Chad Brown with 35 wins uh, for the training title at Saratoga, and she also by herself got the fall meet at Aqueduct. Fantastic training jobs by both Brittany Russell and Linda Rice on the East Coast. And, Bob, I don't see any reason that this won't continue.
3: I mean, Linda Linda Rice is an extremely shrewd trainer and has been for a long time. She makes... Very aggressive claims. Um, she's very good with stakes, horses, and, uh, I mean, she's had a marvelous career. But uh, Brittany Russell, uh, being 34, is really an exciting new shooter in the sport. Uh, her husband, Sheldon, uh, is an outstanding rider in his own right. It's a, it's a really kind of a good husband-wife team. Uh, they work really hard. And it's kind of exciting to see them getting good horses like Doppelganger and Full Count Felicia and uh, moving forward wherever they should turn up uh, they definitely deserve a lot of respect because they do a very good job I, I know there's a lot of
2: people out there who don't love Linda Rice as a trainer. Now certainly respect at her capability as a trainer but she got in a little bit of trouble and you know there's it's still somewhat ongoing with you know, bribing the ra- people in the racing office in New York a few years ago to for some information on entries. Um, and listen, that's obviously a bad thing to do. I happen to personally think it's more the people in the racing office's fault than it is Linda Rice's fault. I mean, she asked the question, and they— are the ones who obliged her by doing something that they shouldn't have. If they would have just said no, then that ends it, and that's all there is to it. Um, but whatever. She's going to have that reputation probably with a lot of people for as long as she trains. That's that's fine. That is what it is. To our knowledge, that's not happening anymore and hasn't been happening for several years now, and look at how well
3: she's doing. Um People in the sport in general uh, generally don't like people that win too much. Uh, <laughs> and Linda Rice effectively wins a lot of races at all levels. And um, that inf- that infraction and that bad rap um, really could apply to a lot of trainers um, working with a lot of racing offices. Um, you know, And, you know, in fairness to the racing office employees, because I've been one, um, you know, you get asked a lot of questions, and, you know, a big part of your job is developing a good working relationship with the horsemen. And, you know, there, it's a fine line uh, between, you know, what we can and cannot tell them. And, uh, you know, they ask too much, and sometimes, uh, you know, we've offered too much. And uh, believe me, a lot of times that does not get picked up on or caught.
2: Yeah, and it's something – I mean, it's – There's so much in this sport that we know happens that we just kind of don't think about. I mean, it can be something as simple as a horse worked five furlongs and 58 flat and they put the work down as a minute and three-fifths.
3: Right, there's that kind of thing. But there's also, you know, a big part of it, uh, stakes coordinators who are doing everything they can to get horses to come from all over the place to come to their big races, and there's a lot of pressure uh, from the racetrack and from upper management to try to bring in high-profile horses on big days, and every single trainer asks the question, look, if we're going to ship up there, uh, ship up there, ship down there to run, who else is in there? Right, you know, and who you else? and, and, definitely I, knows you and
2: I have worked at a track that this is a perfect example at Prairie Meadows, and I'm not saying whether it does or doesn't happen, because I haven't talked to the stakes coordinator about it, and I wouldn't ask this question anyway, but he's got to be under that. You know, when they have the Corn Husker every year, it's the biggest race of the year. One of uh, one of a few very, very you know, like graded stakes that they have at Prairie Meadows each summer, and he's trying to get horses from this barn and this barn and this barn, but they don't want to have to run against. You know, well, is Nick's Go going to be in this race? We heard Nick's Go is going to be in. The, wh- what's he exactly. supposed to say? You know, I mean. Uh, they don't want to pay for shipping and, you know, go to a track that they've never been to sometimes to run where they almost have no chance of winning the race.
3: Yeah, against Hanson. I I remember the year that Hanson ran at Prairie Meadows, and it was kind of a big surprise when he came out of the box. I mean, I actually, um, you know, hustled him into the race, and he was in need of a win. He hadn't won a race in in a long time, and it was a big deal to have the two-year-old champion um, running at Prairie Meadows, and, you know, Mike Maker's Mike Maker told me three or four weeks before that that, that was the intended spot. And the big concern was the owner, um, Kendall Hansen was his name, uh, wanted to uh, dye the horse's tail blue uh, because he's such a big U.K. fan, and eventually the stewards did not allow that, and then he wanted to scratch his horse. but the But the big secret was, you know, we had to we had to hustle horses into the corn husker that year with Hansen on the nomination list of about 25 horses i mean it's a completely different race if a even even an out of form champion is in it and as it turned out he waltzed by about 10 lengths under ramon dominguez um, but you know it was a job you know kind of keeping it under our vest and there was a lot of annoyed people when hansen came out of the box um so when you're hap- saying
2: came out of the box? You're talking about when came out of the entry, entry when his entry form was pulled during the post position draw came out exactly. of the box. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but it, l- it, listen, there's a there's a lot that goes on though. The stakes coordinators and the racing office in general is under a lot of pressure every day. Uh, not only you know trying to please as many people as they can but let's face it just trying to get race cards out there and trying to get competitive races on a day in and a day out basis and obviously people like Linda Rice and Brittany Russell from a training perspective do a fantastic job and whatever trouble that Linda Rice had in the past as far as uh, her issues with the racing office and what she asked for and what they gave her Uh, That was several years ago. To our knowledge, it has not happened since. She's still winning races day in and day out. And obviously, Brittany Russell at the beginning of her training career is also winning a whole lot of races. We wish them nothing but luck going forward. All right, we are going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll head out to the fairgrounds. They're about seven minutes away from post time for the ninth race on their Thursday card. This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN.
7: Today, more than six million Americans are living with Alzheimer's and more than 11 million family members and friends serve as their caregivers. While researchers are working tirelessly to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia, the number of people living with Alzheimer's is expected to more than double by 2050. The toll of the disease is monumental and its devastation affects family, friends, and especially caregivers. No one should face Alzheimer's and dementia by themselves. If you or someone you know is struggling to provide care to a loved one, please share this message. You are not alone. Free help and resources are available 24-7. To talk with an expert and obtain disease-related information, care and support services, call 800-272-3900 or visit the Alzheimer's Association website at alz.org. You are not alone.
5: Did you know half of all cats in the United States don't see a vet on a regular basis? Hi, I'm Kat Dennings and I love cats. Like really, really love them, seriously. That's why I'm here to ask you to take your cat to the vet each and every year. I'm working with Royal Canin and Orphan Kitten Club in their program, Mighty Cat, the first grant program in the world to protect and care for newborn kittens. For the Take Your Cat to the Vet initiative, which encourages cat owners across the country to schedule annual vet visits. Since it's tricky to decode our cat's behavior, it is super important to collaborate with your veterinarian to uncover any potential illnesses and learn the signs that something could be wrong. As pet owners, it is our responsibility to make sure cats of all ages have a chance to live a full and happy life by providing the care they need and deserve. Visit orphankittenclub.org forward slash mighty cat to learn more.
2: This is Kurt Becker. Join me each week
4: on the Equine Forum as I take you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. This week, I look back at the racing career of Sun King. Listen live on the Equine Forum every Saturday morning on Sirius 162 or XM 207 or visit our website at horseracingradio.net to access the archives and enjoy past editions. It's a stroll through racing history with me, Kurt Becker, presented
0: by Keeneland, only here on HRRN. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network.
4: Catching Freedom's going to get to the outside. He's being pumped upon to get going, but swings to the extreme outside as they come off the turn. Mystic Dan, Jess Steele is right there to tackle. Catching Freedom on the far outside and Form Patriot getting bumped around at the rail. Jess Steele in front. Inside Mystic Dan, back to second and catching Freedom is finding his best stride now. And catching Freedom and Christian Torres is racing clear. He kicks off his year with 10 Kentucky Derby points. Catching freedom over just steel and form Patriot. Photo for fourth. Gettysburg Address and Mystic Dad.
2: Welcome back. Final segment on today's edition of the First Bet Racing Show. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich. That was the stretch run of the New Year's Day feature out at Oaklawn Park. The Smarty Jones. Three newly turned three-year-olds going the two-turn mile. Out at Oaklawn, final rather a mile and a sixteenth, I should say, catching Freedom, who was sent off the eight to five favorite, getting the job done, covering the mile and a sixteenth in one forty four and two. And you heard it there in the call, earning ten Kentucky Derby qualifying points by doing so. The Smarty Jones Bob uh, traditionally kicks off the road to the Arkansas Derby. They've got the Southwest Stakes coming up. Uh, in Few weeks from now three four weeks from now rebel stakes after that then the arkansas derby and uh, a fun road on the way maybe to kentucky going through hot springs arkansas
3: yeah yet another horse uh good very good horse for uh, iowa based owners alba family stables they've had some great ones over the years including not this time and this is a another very high quality son of constitution a son of tappet who we know is uh, Been able to get very good runners on both turf and dirt, uh, out of a pioneer of the Nile Mare. Uh, Again, another exciting three-year-old where uh, they look on paper at least and and via their performances that they ought to relish a route of ground. Um, Can't fault catching freedom, but you have to expect the competition to get much stiffer as we go through the Arkansas Derby uh, series to the Derby.
2: Yeah, and he should probably get better, too. That was just the third start of his career, and he's done very little wrong thus far. As I mentioned, he already does have 10 valuable Kentucky Derby qualifying points. I'll say one thing about the Albaugh family stables. Uh, they are doing something right out there. I know that there's there's a lot of bankroll behind what they do, um, but and it's not all luck. They're They're finding the right horses. It seems, Bob, and I don't know if this is accurate, but it seems – like every year, when we get to about March or April, there's at least one horse that's owned or partially owned by Alba Family Stables that is a Kentucky Derby contender.
3: A lot of chips, Bob. It's a lot of chips. There, are, you know what? <laughs> there, there, are
2: there are a lot of outfits out there with a lot of chips. I mean, you want to talk right. about some of the folks, especially uh, out in the in the Middle East part of the world, who have. Thrown a whole lot of money at this game and been trying for years and years and years to get a Kentucky Derby winner, and it doesn't happen. I mean, yes, there's a whole lot of luck in this game, but somebody or a group of some people there with Alba Family Stables are uh, pushing the right buttons.
3: Well, I know that the managing partner Jason's a, a you know a huge racing supporter and racing fan, and and whoever their bloodstock agent, I don't know who that is, but yeah, they pick out. Some uh, very, very good horses. And, um, you know, again, um, they've got deep pockets. And uh, Catching Freedom looks like another one that they can get excited about.
2: All right, let's get out for uh, one more live race on today's program. Ninth race on the card at Fairgrounds is approximately five and a half furlongs on the turf. It's an allowance event for four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of one other than We've got a, a big field of 12, well, we have a big field of 11 after the scratches of numbers 5, 13, and 14. First bet AI says you need to look at number three. Pepper Jack in this spot Pepper Jack, who is 32 to 1, is somehow the solid selection according to the first bet AI. So if you're somebody who uses the first bet AI often, or even if you just kind of uh, fool around with it now and then 32 to one, you don't see that very often, but that's what pepper Jack is. And that's the choice of the first bet AI, the betters seeing a little bit differently. Number nine, son of a birch for Tom Morley and Jamie Torres currently on the board at nine to five.
3: Yeah. Um, this is a wide open race, but the ones that are taking money, um, uh, on on paper, you know, deservedly so, Tom Morley adds blinks to uh, Son of a Birch uh, here. Um, we'll definitely need some luck in running. Comes from pretty far back. Uh, I found a short price unappealing on this one. The 10-horse gilded ruler, who's currently 5-2, to two, comes from the red-hot Joe Sharp barn, and he takes the blinkers off, um, so very much informed stable. I expect him to finish in front of Son, son of a Birch, but I'm looking for another... Upset here as I try to get out, I like the 7 Mesa Spirit, um, who has been privately purchased by veteran uh, fairgrounds trainer Sturgis Ducoing since his last start, switches from the uh, Mark Cassie barn. Uh, Sky Mace out of an unbridled song mare, and uh, Lannery rides very effectively uh, Corey Lannery for going over the years. And I think he'll lay, lay in a pretty forward position here. And if he kicks on, I think he might win this. I think he's about fifteen to one. Now he's been back back into nine to one, so he's taking late money.
2: Right. He's taking money from fifteen to one on the morning line down to nine to one right now. Favoritism remains with number nine, son of a birch who was coming off that second-place finish against allowance foes last time out, was far back early on and uh, came rolling late. It wasn't like they went some super-duper fast pace last time out, 22 flat, 46 flat in the uh, about 5.5 furlong affair, but for some reason Son of a Birch was laying 10th about uh, 7.5 lengths back at the first call. Blinker's going on, so maybe trying to get him to show a little bit more speed this afternoon or at least be a little bit more focused whatever it was he still ran a good race coming from that far back and if there is some sort of pace in front of him uh this afternoon then the favorite certainly looks likely in this spot quick glance it doesn't look like a race loaded with speed the also eligible who got in number 12 king of song makes the lead basically every time he goes to the races and uh, that figure is fast but it's not like there are four or five other ones in here who all have to go. I would think that your mention, your number seven Mesa spirit will be somewhere near the pace. If not uh, right there battling with the lead right in with King of song somewhere along the way. Uh, And the favorite son of a birch is probably going to have to come from out of it. He was laying close to the pace uh, early on in his career, but he's kind of lost his speed. So Tom Morley, it seems like trying to see if they can find some of that speed, uh, from the past, and it, maybe not battle for the lead, but it'll be, have a little let, less to do when they make the swing in at the top of the stretch. Loading quickly for this ninth race on the card at the fairgrounds, our final live race of the day, but not the final race at fairgrounds. They actually have 10 races on their Thursday card. Here's number 12, King of Song, to complete the line. John Dooley on the mic.
9: And they're off. King of Song broke sharply there on the extreme outside. Gilded Ruler, flashing speed, has the white cap, and there is Western Command going for an early bid. It's King of Song. Crossed and cleared here for Jose Rodriguez. Three in front past the half mile from Gilded Ruler. And on the outside Western Command, they chase the pace with Fleet of Hoof running in fourth. Son of a Birch is fifth with on the outside Mesa Spirit a wide sixth. Following that is Musical Spell in seventh. Toward the inside, Proud Civilian is A3 for Longs to go. Then out uh, deep on the course, Simple Logic, Orange and the Blue Hoops with toward the inside Battle Scars and Pepperjack Trails. The quarter, 22.18 seconds. King of Song. Leads for home at the quarter pole from a looming up Western Command. Gilded Ruler looks to gain toward the inside. Mesa Spirit has those yellow blinkers. And moving up is Son of a Birch between horses. Western Command took the lead. Toward the inside is Gilded Ruler. Battle scars and tight at the rail. Western Command with toward the inside. Gilded Ruler. Now here comes Son of a Birch charging hard. They're close to home. It's Gilded Ruler. Gilded Ruler on the wire. Gilded Ruler holding on from Son of a Birch gilded ruler gets the result and then western command with battle scars who came on through and pepper jack among those next across look like unofficially 10 9 11 the first three finishers
2: in the ninth race at fairgrounds number 10 gilded ruler blinkers coming off today this joe sharp trainee and holding on to just narrowly defeat the favorite son of her birch 13 uh five to two second choice in the wagering rather or Wow, wait a minute. Am I reading this right, Bob? Did number 10 Gilded Ruler get whammed down to even money somehow in the last click?
3: Went into the gate at 5 to 2.
2: Yeah. All right. Now, listen. Uh, I, I don't begrudge people for betting a horse that they like in this spot. This is exactly what those of us who play the game on a regular basis, do not like the fact that the odds can change so greatly. And let's face it, Fairgrounds is not a small racetrack. They have real money in the pools at Fairgrounds. And the fact that the last click, perhaps the click literally as they're springing the latch in the gate, can knock a horse down from five to two to even money in a full field, makes you think that those of us who are everyday or reg, quote unquote regular betters are really up against it
3: Yeah but is there a solution I mean you know no this day... there's no
2: the, the solution is this um, the, and this, the answer to that is no the computer assi- the computer assisted wagerers, the CAws it, computer betters whatever you want to call it are such a big percentage of the handle at so many of these tracks right now that the tracks will not do anything to disrupt them. You might get a track here or there that says, well, on win betting, we're going we're gonna to not let them bet, you know, inside two minutes to post. But with exactas and place betting and show betting and tries and whatever, they can still do whatever they're doing. But most tracks don't pay. If they shut these people out, it would take away such a significant part of their handle that they would rather anger the masses than cost themselves that little bit of money. And listen, that they run a business. They can run it any way they want. I'm just saying as somebody who speaks from a uh, Joe Schmo better point of view, and I play bigger than most people, but certainly not like the CAW people, um, this is disturbing. If you somehow bet the nine son of a birch and he would have got up to win instead of getting the, you know, eight to five that you thought you were going to get, you were going to get five to two because he jumped all the way up to five to two. But it's amazing how often these CAWs are correct and how low the payoffs are. Uh, The results are official for the ninth race at Fairgrounds. We're not going to give you the whole prices, but it came in 10, 9, 11, 1, number 10, Gilded Ruler, a five-year-old bay gelding by Into Mischief out of the more than ready mirror Golden Cropper owned by Highlander Training Center, trained by Joe Sharp, Brian Hernandez Jr., the winning rider. Gilded Ruler 10 9 11 1, the official order of finish in the ninth race at Fairgrounds. Bob, I want to remind everybody that uh, you will be back with me tomorrow night for another edition of our weekend stakes preview. We're going to look at a dozen races tomorrow night from all around the country. We've got racing at Aqueduct, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Fairgrounds, Oaklawn Park, uh, all part of another fun weekend as we look at uh, a dozen races tomorrow night on the weekend stakes preview but coming up next tonight james scully joins me for the call in show number to get in 888 966 4776 888 hrrn for our producer lee delapino my co-host bob nestanovich i'm bobby newman thanks for joining us on the first bet racing show the call in show is coming up in three minutes